When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Geekscapers, welcome to a brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm Jonathan London, your host, and we've got a special Geekscape mini this time around. We're sitting down with our friends Alberto Belli and Jim Mahoney to talk about their brand new movie, Gatlop, that's out on BOD this week. I kind of describe it as like an adult Jumanji. Four adult friends get together to do some drinking games and craziness ensues. You're not going to want to miss this one. It's a lot of fun. So I can't wait to tell you all about it. But first, I have to tell you all about our good sponsors over at NordVPN. If you're looking for a brand new VPN for speed, security, or just to watch British television, go to nordvpn.com geekscape to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan and one month additionally for free. And it's also completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Just enter Geekscape upon checkout. All right, Geekscapists, let's get to the show. That wasn't recording at all. Oh, it was. Hey Geekscapists, I'm here with two good buddies of mine, Alberto Belli and Jim Mahoney. They have a brand new movie that comes out this week. It's called Gatlop. I think I pronounced it right. You did? I would call it, and I've been selling this movie as Adult Jumanji. Have you heard that? Oh yeah. Yeah, a bunch of uh, friends, four friends get together for an adult drinking game, uh, board game, drinking involved. And uh, they don't know what they're in store for. And the game starts to get a little bit away from them. Uh, Jim Mahoney, who's joining me here on Geekscape with the director Alberto Belli. Uh, Jim wrote it. And so I have to start with you, Jim. You play Paul in the movie. You're uh, yes. also the writer. Where did this come from? And can you share that? How many details can you share before you get on some kind of watch list? <laughs> so I think uh, this this idea came from I actually had. So I pitched this idea to Alberto in like uh, early 2017 when we were both like itching to make something. Uh, it came from, I was actually just hanging out with a bunch of friends one night where we were all going to go out on, a, on the town, have beers as one does uh, on like in like Main Street, Santa Monica. And we met at a friend's place who was like, he's like, before we go out, do you guys want to play a game for, you know, just for you know, shits and giggles before we head out. And before we knew it, like four hours had transpired and we were like having such a good time together. In fact, so much that the, my buddy's wife like stormed in. She's like, you guys were supposed to leave. This was supposed to be your night out. And we, uh, uh, as this was going on, my kind of warped brain was like, what if this was like a trick? Like, what if the game wanted us to get so wrapped up in our own, like, uh, insanity that it just locked us in? And what would happen if we had, like, fight our way out? And I pitched this idea to Alberto. I was like, it's weird. And he was like, I like it. And so <laughs> then I, 
I went off to uh, write it. Cause the thing we, we both grew up with a lot of like nineties and eighties nostalgia, like Amblin was a big part of our upbringing and he had a lot of that sentiment. He's like, I'm seeing it this way. What do you think? I was like, yes. So then I went off to start writing it. And Alberto was very helpful along the way. I would keep giving him like messy drafts. And he always had such very helpful uh, words of wisdom to kind of guide the story along. It makes me wonder like what that wife had planned to try and get you out of the house. <laughs> Probably just a quiet night. <laughs> Probably just like a nice night with a movie. <laughs> Y'all are killing my vibe here. Y'all have to go. I'm sorry. Get out of here. Yeah. You're having too much fun drinking and having a board game. Um, Alberto, when you talk about like the Amblin influences and stuff like that, um, and then you see that y'all were all set for production going into the pandemic. Uh, when the pandemic happens, how do you still try and design a shoot to, to keep that scope. Does that make sense? Because Amblin, when you think of Amblin, you think of the, about that really magical scope. And this is a magical script. It's about a magical board game. Um, but it's also, it also takes place in a house. Like, what, what, did, what did you face pandemic-wise, challenge-wise, to, to ma- maintain that tone and scope? Right. I mean, that was, that was a, bi- a big part of it was... Uh trying to design everything that happens in a house but still feel kind of like cinematic and big. So we're trying to find a house that felt big enough for COVID protocols too, but big enough that it didn't feel like uh, the protagonist, you know, Clive had like this, like it's a millionaire who has like an amazing house, but like, so it had to be believable. But um, you're not small enough that you felt like it was cramped. And there was also for COVID protocols, of course, we had to, you know, have the distance because it was Little at the beginning of the pandemic, so we were like one of the few productions that were shooting. So we were learning along the way, but we were shooting. Um, and also the staging, a lot of it was, you know, most of it takes place in one area. So we tried to keep moving to different areas of so like the dining room and then they go outside when it's a flashback. So also trying to use every space in the house to make it feel bigger than it was. And one thing I wanted to ask, uh, as you're giving notes on these pieces of script, and, and, and Jim, I'm guessing this isn't the first thing you wrote, right? Mm-mm. No, no, no. Um, this was my first solo script, but I had written several movies before with a writing partner for years. And as you're writing this, uh, and it, it, I know how these things do. They coalesce from scraps. So like you have ideas for dialogue. You have ideas for shots. Maybe you have ideas for sequences. And as these little scraps are starting to coalesce, uh, how much of the process was Alberto in that, you know, you're, you're shooting them stuff, like little updates, right? Like, or are you just going away, disappearing and dumping a draft on them? I'm pretty much going away, disappearing and dumping a draft. On <laughs> <laughs> but he had, like, it was, it was great because he'd be like, I don't love this. And it was basically like, okay, so that's all gone. Let's try this something else. Uh, and uh, he would have very helpful moments too. He's like, I'm trying to, one thing in particular was became like Samantha's big moment. Like he was very much, there was something before that was, more work related he was like I, I want to try to find something that really hits on an emotional core that's more relatable goes a little bit wider than just being a work-related conflict and so then we we uh had what is the conflict with her mother um and uh he was very helpful like helping me kind of guide that he never got he didn't get too prescriptive it was very helpful in that way he's like these are the feelings i'm trying to convey with the story like what what can we work out together and then yes then i would disappear and then dump pages on his lap and <laughs> And Alberto, how, how did you treat that moment? Because I think it's a pretty incredible turning point in the movie. It's, it, I think it's where the stakes really start to come into... Each each of the four characters in the movie have that, 
quote unquote come to Jesus moment where the game becomes more about truth seeking for themselves and uh, really changing them on the, you know, if they don't not, if they don't change over the course of this, they, they lose the game for the most part. Um, handling that. And obviously you have uh, umbrella Academy as an Emmy raver limb and playing the character. Like how much did you think I really have to keep my distance on this moment? Or I really have to put my impression on as a director and sell this moment. Does that make sense? Because one thing I always remember about those Amblin movies is you get the push in when uh, they really want the audience to know you're supposed to be emoting with these characters. Mm -hmm. And I think that you did this moment in a bit more of a restrained fashion. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think, I mean, we were very lucky to have Emmy and and we knew she was going to be able to pull it off. Right. Like I think we did like two takes. Like most of it, like it's like the one take is like the one that remained in the movie, and we just had to like change a little bit for for the endings for pacing reasons. But like other than that, we knew she was gonna do it, so we just put literally the camera there, and and then instead of like we did the opposite, instead of being the ambling push, we started like the opposite. We started on a close up, and then we kept going wider and wider, so you feel like the friends are coming towards her. So we sat on her single, and as she opens up and she wants to reconnect with her friends, then we open the shot, and then now you see the four friends coming close to her. Uh, but it was a one take, you know. It's Emmy's magic. Yeah, yeah. That's a smart decision because I always feel manipulated when that when that push happens, and then the music swells, <laughs> and it's like you're pulling at it. And when it's when it's earned, it's earned. But it's it's a it's got to be a dangerous thing on set saying, hey, when this puzzle piece comes together, is this all going to work? Am I going to have earned this push? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think with that pull, you all, you can also say, hey, she's feeling abandoned, and then she's falling into the safety net. The safety net comes into frame with her friends, and you have that stylistically. Uh, was that all in the design? I mean, when you go into this thing with the, with the COVID protocols, I'm guessing that you really have to... The, the, the room for improv kind of goes away, doesn't it, guys? Like, Jim, you're an actor. Was there a lot of room for improv on this stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, Alberto gave us a lot the of protocols. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, what we would he would he would block it out to where we would work with what we had. And every actor, because Emmy and Sharonis and John are very very smart, and it would just kind of for the most part, it was the script was like that large foundation, and then they would find ways to make it their own throughout. And then every once in a while, we'd have these like fun little you know, uh, happy mistakes and stuff uh, that would come along the way. But uh, Alberto, I remember what we talked about from the beginning, Alberto did say, he's like, I'd like to have it be loose and free. Cause I think he would always say like, if it doesn't feel right coming out of your mouth, it's not going to look right. So let's find a way to make it seem like, seem like your character, you and your character would say this. And how easy was that Alberto to transition into that comfortable director mode where you're like, okay, this is a set. Um, but this was a set in during the pandemic, like, like no other. And while adhering to strict protocol, you have to then transition to, all right, now it's, now it's make believe fun and games time. How easy was that with the lingering kind of shadow of COVID? It was not, it's actually like pretty easy. I would say, because like the four of them like got along for real. So like, you know, like the interesting thing about the protocols was also like they were hanging out, the four of them together, like all day, like in this room. And then so they actually were like in between takes, they were actually connecting. So by the time that were coming out to actually shoot the scene, they already had that connection. It was very easy for them to improv or they knew what was, you know, easy to tease to even like the character, but it's also them. You know, I think I think what uh, 
I love about this process is like every uh, actor became the character basically. I think we did a really good job. The casting did an amazing job casting these people who were very, you know, kind of, I'm not going to say the same people because obviously Jimmy's not the worst or whatever, but has like the spirit, you know, for me it's, it's the most important thing in, in casting, having that spirit. So instead of like trying to push them to become those characters, uh, they brought something to the character and make it their own. So it's like when we're shooting and it was improvising, it all makes sense because nothing fell uh, too out of the character where you were like, yeah, this is not working or whatever. So it was, they make my job easy. Yeah. And Alberto did a smart thing at the top of this where he basically was like, we're going to start with the scene where they all reconnect first because it's going to be the weirdest and most uncomfortable, like naturally with the characters. And since you guys haven't worked together yet, because we didn't meet until that day because we all met on zoom for the most part and so it's like he's like this is going to be like if we're ever going to make it kind of weird it's now and it worked out really well and then like he said then they locked us into a room together for the rest of for like two weeks like camp and we very much found a, a, a cohesive bond and jim is writer you're also playing paul paul goes mm -hmm. through I'm, i don't want to spoil anything geekscape this is a fun movie uh i think you're going to enjoy it but um paul goes through a lot of the most it goes a lot of through a lot of self-analysis you're also with him very early on and you know the screws have been put to him very early on i think out of all the characters you know that the screws have been put to paul the earliest in the in mm -hmm. the film and so mm -hmm. he's really on the rack for the entirety of it and you can argue that that the the film culminates when he starts to have his self-realizations how close is this character to you, Jim? Are you writing what you want to play or are you writing what you have to express? What's the combination there? I think uh, everything is like a little bit a little bit lived, right? Like we've all I've lived a little bit of the conflict of all four of these characters to then like I do believe in some sense of write what you know but not entirely so it's not absolutely me but I've had flavors of this experience I'm a big fan of Stephen King's writing. And I think what he did, I read his on writing book and then you read a lot of his like older stuff. And it's very clear that a lot of the characters and some of his more iconic stories, when you read about his biography is like, oh, that's basically him growing up or whatever. He just basically took all the guardrails off that character or took like an emotion and turned it to 11. And it's like, this is a magical world. So let's see what happens if the worst of me or what was the worst thing to happen to me went even further. And so that's, it's like a foundation of experience I've had or very close friends of mine have had. And then like, all right, for this story, let's turn the knob up. Let's make it uh, real enough and hopefully relatable enough that people can understand who this guy is, where he's coming from and why he has to go on this journey. Um, so I guess to answer your question, a bit of both, I think. Yeah. Uh, but not, not, it's not a facsimile of me <laughs> by any means. Well, were you still able to punch through some realizations on your own? Oh, yeah. When you're at the end of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think some, a big part of this calls was... Afterwards? Uh, say again? Apologize. You make some phone calls after this and apologize to some people. Oh, no, no, no. They're going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I interrupted you to say a, tell a stupid joke. So welcome to Geekscape. Yeah. It happens all the time. Yeah, no, I, oh, what were you going to say? It. I'm sorry, Jim. What were you going to say about the self-realizations you got writing the script? There was an element of, because I think uh, there is a piece of me that at times, like, like, I think growing up and it took a while as I got older to realize, like, I put myself in this position. And I think a big theme in this movie is like owning up to your own shit, like taking responsibility mm -hmm. to where you are. Sure, people can do bad things to you. Things can, 
people, there are bad actors out there that can make your life more difficult, but ultimately you, you are a part of the choice that got you into the problem that you're in. Like very rarely are you like absolutely without fault. And I think that that's big Paul's biggest fault is that he's never at fault. Alberto, uh, when you're looking at something like this, um, are you looking for kind of that whimsical, uh, I mean, the, the, who did the score on this one? Because the, the Danny Elfman, like, would say again, Kenny Wood is the name, yeah. Like Kenny Wood, uh, was that the note? Was to to give us a little bit of like the flourishes of a, like a um, Danny Elfman kind of like take us through a ride through the sky and let you know really early on let the audience know that anything is possible and you are stuck kind of inside of a genie's lamp with this thing. Yeah, I think I think that was that was uh, a big part of the movie was like the tone, and I think. Uh... Kenny would like nail it and that was it. Like I think those again going back to those handling movies, like the score helps to make you believe in the world, right? Like it like so we wanted to do that, like even from the opening title sequence, I think that's where you get like the sense of like, oh, it's grounded but like magical. And that was that was very important for Jim and I to make it like fun but also relatable, which I think a lot of movies right now is that like they go just VFX throughout and you're like, eh. I couldn't hear less, right? Or like too indie or too dramatic where you're like, eh, also, right? Like, so we wanted to hopefully go back to those movies, which is like, it's just fun. And then at the same time, you feel something, but like the whole point is just have a great time, uh, you know, with this movie. That was, so that's what uh, Kenny Wood did and then put all that together. And horror comedy, which is like, I think it's a hard thing to pull musically because like it has to be, you know, um, scary but also engaging but also whimsical and all these things throughout and move to one thing to the next very easily with that and it's not just kenny but you also have like your art art department your you know dp and the you're you're putting a lot of loud colors in this movie (laughs) and was there a draw to have extremely loud compositions to match it or really the question is i want to know is how are you balancing the surreality of the situation with the reality of still having to have grounded believable characters because like i've said in this conversation each of the characters has to have sort of their quote unquote come to jesus moment and that has to be a very real moment we talked about how it was handled earlier um it, how do you start kind of i mean the appeal is to when you start thinking about the surreality of the moment um to you know, and, and you have it. And there's a jazzercise sequence. Keats gave us. It's a bit surreal. You should ju- you should mm-hmm. watch the movie. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, there, you can kind of kind of go balls to the walls and be like, hey, I'm going to go fun with style, and we're going to be loud, and the camera's going to be ex- uh, have a lot of expression to it. Where do you kind of pick your punches when you're balancing that? What's your approach on that one, Alberto? I think is my long-winded question. Yeah, I, I think I know. I think I think the approach was always. Uh... It was, you know, this takes place, like, which is, like, it's a Venice, you know, in Venice, it's, like, colorful and bright and sunny, and, like, you haven't seen that many, you know, take on that, how do you make that a horror? And then we tried to do the opposite that it used to, you know, usually horror goes from very bright, and then as it gets darker, then it gets less colorful, and ours was, at the beginning, is kind of, I would say, like, more grounded, and as the game gets more uh, in control of the situation... My the DP like would put like brighter lights outside of the windows that they were like super blue and then the things pop the colors pop even more because it, it, it was becoming a presence and then when the twist happens everything becomes green right so it's even more colorful 
So we tried to put a lot of like hints, um, for example, with the green color, if you see back the movie, there's a lot of like the green is supposed to be danger and then the reds are challenges. So it's like every every uh, challenge has whatever element is on red and then the when it's referring to about the ex-wife, it's green. So at the end of the movie, you know, uh, try not to spoil it, but yeah, that was kind of like the, you know, like the transition where right. we were like, using color to tell the story and then once we go back we went back a little bit more muted to the to the reality of things yeah and these are educating your lens choices too you're like okay something has to be super wide to really be able to push something. kind of yeah yeah and then yeah. like what i don't know if it can read on camera but like uh uh jim is really tall she's he's uh six three i think jim right like and sonoris is like six, six five six five and then like, i'm six... really tall like so but uh uh, John is like a little short, I think. So it was like we had like a huge disproportion of like the friends. So we had to use usually a wider lens when they were standing to be able to fit them all. And of course, because it was an uh, indie, you don't get to do a lot of coverage. It was more about like, let's make sure we stage it in a wide shot that becomes a close shot that becomes like, so we're always trying to tell the all the emotional beats without keeping coming to the close up because we didn't have the time to shoot a close up. <laughs> You know, so it had it was uh, it was trying to stage it the smartest way possible, so we didn't have to miss out on coverage when we're editing. How many days did it take to to shoot this one? How many? Like I think it was supposed to be fifteen. We got a positive fall case the second day, right? It was the second day, yeah. Uh, second day, false, false positive case. We shut down for a day and a half. We lost two days. Wow. Or we lost a day and a half because we were. But you had to keep that. Day. You had to keep that window, or you could extend yeah. it. No. So we so ended you... up shooting for thirteen and a half days instead of the fifteen that we had. So... That's terrible. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. I mean, you spend those that day and a half, Alberto, scratching shots or rearranging schedule. Like, what do you do in that? Day Jim, and a half? Yeah, Jim can tell you. Like, we had to scrub a bunch of scenes. Were you ever pages. tempted to just eight pages? Yeah, that, that in the was... middle of it, Alberto and I, we had a conversation because when we found out that uh, uh, we were able... So first of all, the false positive was me. Like I <laughs> tested positive for COVID on day two. And this is like, I was like, I destroyed the thing I worked on for two years. How is this? And I hadn't been doing anything anywhere for like a month. Uh, this was before there was a vaccine. And then I had to test, I tested negative three times in a row in 12 hours with three different tests. So it was a right. false positive. Uh, so luckily the movie kept going, but it definitely like made, it was like, this is serious. Like we can't, nobody can screw around, but nobody was doing anything except for shooting and then going home. Um, but we had to, when we found out that we were back on, uh, Alberto called me and he's like, there's no way we're finishing all these pages in time. So we have to figure out, he's like, I calculate eight pages. What can we do? And so I had to sit down and frantically look at the math of it all and figure out a way to make, to shave eight pages in a way that held the integrity of the story, kept all the things that we love and we didn't lose anything, but to do it in a way where we wouldn't have to, like it, it's the, the producer, James Harris made a good point. He's like, you guys get to make a decision what you cut now, or you try to get it all. And then at the end of 15 days, you don't get to decide what it gets cut. So That's a good point. it's up to you. And looking at the movie, it's a pretty tight hour 20 or so hour, th hour and a half film. Uh, I hate to say, 
a pandemic is a blessing in disguise, Jim, but was that sort of a blessing in disguise to be forced to tighten some of that story? Uh, I know it came at the inopportune time, but... I mean, everything that was written was... Because originally when I wrote this, it was for Alberto and I to make ourselves, like to basically self-fund this. So the idea was to make it as small scale as possible before we ended up selling it. And then uh, when that happened, it was still... The idea was it was a small scale movie. So everything was really well contained. And it just became a matter of killing darlings in the sense of we have to decide what to get rid of and how do we do that in a way that we don't get rid of the fun that we love like all like the, the mystery and the fun and the joy of this movie but we can do without and it um i love the creative process i also love like how we had to solve these problems in the moment like it's something that's kind of fun you know uh retrofitting uh it was stressful for sure but it's always a good challenge and you can always come up with a creative solution, I find, almost always. Like, obviously yeah. some things are insalvageable. Alberto sent me an email saying you refused to cut any of your lines. Is that true? 100% <laughs> true. I'm the funniest thing in it, so. <laughs> <laughs> Alberto, this is going to sound freaking weird, but when Tatum, uh, our publicist, who we're going to bring on the show right now. Just kidding, Tatum. We're not bringing her on the show. <laughs> I threatened with bringing her onto the show. Uh, I think I've done that several times. Tatum helps us here at Geekscape with uh, bringing us people like Alberto and Jim to be on the show. So we love her. Um, when Tatum actually solicited this one, Gatlop, uh, I definitely wanted to do it, Alberto, because I knew about you from Instagram stalking, of all things. This is crazy, but I was on Instagram and I ran into the LETV network, which your wife runs. The the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Instagram for LETV. The, as a as a Latino, I was like, "Hey, what is this organization?" Because you know about the Nalibs, you know about the different LA TV and film organizations. Your, your wife runs one, and you and she uh, have a series, uh, Latinas. Yes. You know that one seems cool, but uh, talk about that because I love the fact that you are making Latino content. Yeah. So that's a show that uh, my wife and I created. She wrote the, the pilot and it's right now it's uh, in developed by HBO uh, Max. And then we shot like the teaser uh, probably like three weeks ago. So now we're hoping to, it's almost done editing and then we're uh, hopefully present to them and hopefully it goes to series. But, uh, and it's about, we wanted to, to do a series about, um, celebrating uh, immigrants, but in a, in a, in a set that we haven't seen. So all of the four girls are immigrants, but they're all very successful. And like, kind of like we, we saying, right? Like my wife and I is like, we, um, thank God, you know, we don't struggle with immigration, all that stuff. But like, so we wanted to do a different kind of story. Like those are important stories, but we wanted to tell a different story. So also we don't keep the stereotype when people keep thinking that's a stereotype. So it's just four very successful women and it's based kind of like on her experience here. And then they meet at a salsa club every night. And then that's where my wife met a lot of her friends here in LA. Uh, so a lot of the time uh, is revolving on that. And then what everyone's do uh, the life every day of these four girls. So I'm, I'm excited. Well, Alberto, we're going to have to bring you both back when that launches uh, here sure, on Geekscape yeah. to talk about it. Um, but I really appreciate you and Jim being on the show. Uh, Gatlop is on VOD Digital on June 16th, folks. Uh, mm -hmm. If you're listening to this, watching this, it's going to be this week. So look for it. Uh, if you want the adult Jumanji, that's what I'm calling it. <laughs> adult Jumanji. <laughs> um, that's, that's what you look for on your services, VOD and digital. Uh, anything else you'd like to add before we say goodbye? 
No, man. Just thank you so much for having us on. This was fun. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, Come yeah. back anytime, folks. This is why we built it. Um, thank you. Uh, you all got something coming out? Come on, Geekscape, and talk about it. Thanks for being on the show, guys. I will see you all next time. All right? Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, Geekscapists, that was our conversation with Alberto and Jim. I hope you enjoyed it. Get Lop is out this week on VOD. And as for Geekscape, we'll be back a little bit later this week to talk news and reviews, especially that new Jurassic World movie. We'll be talking about that. And I want to remind you to leave a five-star review on any podcatcher you use to listen to Geekscape. That really helps out our visibility. And of course, hit that share button and share Geekscape with all of your friends. And of course, I want to thank our sponsor, NordVPN. Go to nordvpn.com slash geekscape to get that huge discount off your NordVPN plan, that free threat protection, and one additional month for free. It's completely risk-free with that Nord 30-day money-back guarantee, so you got nothing to lose. You know how it works. All right, folks, we'll see you next time. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.